you're finding your seats, you can open up your Bibles to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation is the last book of the Bible. Towards the end, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one uh, close to you on the floor, and this morning's passage can be found on page 1030, page 1030, Revelation 5. Well, uh, as I've already mentioned, this week has been... uh, it's been an amazing week, both with high highs and low lows. I think this week, um, every person here could say they've seen some of the best of humanity and some of the worst of humanity. There are images that we've seen this week that can't be unseen, and frankly, I don't want to unsee them. I don't want us to be able to unsee them. Um, Gone are the simple days of burying our heads in the sand and pretending that racial tension and racial division doesn't exist in our country. Gone are the days that we can pretend like those things don't affect our life as a local church. This truly is a prophetic moment for us as a church because God has our attention, right? Um, As you're looking at the last week and the way things have unfolded, there's a real sense that in the midst of all of the brokenness and all of the pain, as C.S. Lewis so eloquently said, that pain is God's megaphone to a deaf world, and he's speaking very loudly, right? And so, this week, as, you know, within 24 hours of each other, where there were the images of two African-American men that were shot by police officers that were released through the media, through social media, with that happening, and then on the tail end of that with five police officers losing their life as retaliation in Dallas, Texas. It's no doubt to all of us that God has something to say. I mean, our world, I mean, and I'm sure, and I've felt probably all of these emotions this week, There are people that are angry. There are people that are sad. There are people that are confused. There are people that are looking for hope. There are people that are looking for answers. And they're wondering, what in the world can be said? What should be said in light of all that you have seen this week? And what's obvious to me is that more than a political agenda... More than anything else, we need to turn our attention to God and His Word and allow His voice to be the loudest voice that we hear. God has spoken to us through His Son and He has spoken to us 
through his word and he actually has an opinion on what it looks like to go forward in the midst of racial tension and racial brokenness and to see a picture of something great that is built out of the ashes and the mess that we have seen this week, right? I mean, simultaneously, like this is what it was like, and I'm sure you all lived through something similar this week. On my social media feed, there are African-American pastors that I love and respect whose wives are literally begging them not to get on the road because they're afraid that they're going to get pulled over and they're going to be killed. Right? Simultaneously, I have friends that are police officers whose wives also kiss them goodbye and they were afraid for them to go to work. That's the tension that we're living in, in this moment, in history, and God compels us to not bury our heads in the sand, but say, Lord, speak to us. We're listening. So what can be said, what should be said, what must be said, it's more necessary for us than ever right now to take seriously Jesus' coming in the flesh to disarm the hostility that lives in the hearts of all people. If there's one thing that is abundantly clear, that the world is longing for a better world, the world is longing for a righteous ruler that can bring peace out of the chaos that exists in our own hearts, that exists in this country, there's only one person that can speak hope. And there is only one person that can simultaneously bring peace and justice to this world, and his name is Jesus Christ. And that's the picture that we're going to look at in Revelation chapter 5. We're going to look at the entire chapter. So if you have your Bibles open, would you stand with me? And this is the most important thing that we're going to do this morning. This is God's vision of the future that is meant to speak to the present. Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly. There are times that we must weep loudly. Because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. So he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four and living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, 
Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voices of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and they worshiped. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. God, so much I want to be caught up in that reality right now. You know we need to hear from you. You know we need a perspective that is not our own. I pray that your vision of the future will make sense in the present to do that. We need you to be present with us by the Holy Spirit. May we join in this song of the Lamb. May we receive comfort and hope in the midst of a broken world. I pray out of my weakness and I act out of your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I want us to... Just in light of all that we've seen this week, I want us to look at three questions and then we're going to end in prayer. The three questions are, why is there weeping in heaven? Why is there weeping in heaven? Where do we find hope on earth? And how do we live in the tension of a broken world that God is making new? Those are the things that we're going to look at. So, As we look at this passage, why is there weeping in heaven, right? Uh, There may be no other book in my lifetime besides the book of Revelation that has had so much violence done to it, right? I mean, this is not about Apache helicopters falling out of the ground, right? It does have some allusions to um, the end of the world. But primarily, if you look at the beginning of the book of Revelation, it should say something like this. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, right? The book of Revelation is about the throne. It is about the one who is seated on the throne, Um, It is written by John, who was the best friend of Jesus on the earth, who actually saw him physically raised from the dead. But then there is this other picture that we need to have in the world of Jesus high and lifted up and seated on the throne. So why is there weeping in heaven, right? I mean, that, that should scream to us. Why is it that John is weeping, right? So it says in this passage, this is apocalyptic literature, and we're not going to unpack all of these images, but there's a few that are very important and very applicable to where we are right now in our experience. And the first is this scroll that is sealed with seven seals, right? 
John is weeping because there's no one that is worthy to open these seals, right? So in the ancient world, it's just like, um, you know, if you were in an office, no one would open the CEO's mail without their permission. Well, it's kind of the same way in this ancient culture. Like, the, the, the seal was put on there, and there was no one worthy to open the scroll. So, what is in this scroll, and what about this scroll makes John weep? Well, this scroll is all of human history, right? John was able to see in a moment as he was caught up into the Holy Spirit an image of all of the history of the world. He was able to see every single act of pain, every single act of injustice, every single act of famine and war and pestilence. And really what he's saying is, I need someone to be on the scene that can make sense of all of this mess. I need someone that is worthy to interpret all of human history for me. Because, listen, We are made in the image of God. And all of us this week have made some kinds of interpretations of the events that we've seen. Right? That's part of being made in the image of God. Right? I mean, I'm watching this new show with my wife and I'm sure it gets on her nerves. Like, we're watching this show and it's a mystery. And in about the first five minutes, like, I want to tell her, like, who the killer is going to be. Right? I ask her if she wants me to tell her at the beginning or at the end, and she says, you can wait till the end. Um, that's, but that's who we are, right? We're made to ask questions. We're made to interpret. So when you look at the events of this past week, I mean, there's something inside of all of us that are supposed to have the same kind of reaction as we witness the brokenness and the fallenness of humanity where we weep loudly with those who weep. Right? I mean, when we begin to see things from God's vantage point, when we begin to see things with His eyes, we're going to be able to feel the things that He actually feels, to interpret the situation. So, I mean, I don't know if you're like me, but there's, there's something this week where you should have had some kind of response like this, where you're saying, How long, O oh Lord, will you come back? Will you fix all of this mess? Right? Who is worthy to open the scrolls? And so, listen, I have tried this week with all that I am to identify with what it would be like to have to try to get in my car and to be afraid of the police. Now, I don't want you to hear that this is not an anti-police message grateful for the institutions that God sets up. Romans is very clear about that. But I have no idea what it's like to get in my car and to actually be afraid, right? Every room that I walk into, I receive the benefit of the doubt. And as I was asking myself this question this week, I'm asking God, please help me to identify with my African-American brothers and sisters. Please help me to see what they see and to feel what they feel. And as I did that, all I'm aware that I can do is, is I'm just limited, right? The only racial profiling that I've ever experienced is walking through the gates of the TSA, right? Because I'm the guy that they pick out so that they make sure they don't look like they're racially profiling, right? That's what happens to me. But I'm aware, right, that that's not everyone's experience. So 
The things that make heaven weep are meant to make us weep. And um, there is a song by Trip Lee that I want to pr- play a couple of minutes of for you. It really helped me. Um, this was written at the, in December of 2014. Helped me to, to kind of understand and take a walk in another person's shoes. And so um, you can go ahead and play that clip and there should be uh, the lyrics that will appear as well. Just listen to these two minutes. So I heard that December 2014, and it opened my eyes, quite honestly, to the idea that Trip Lee is explaining that it could have been me. And this week, that song came back to me. But you know what? The honest truth is, it couldn't have been me, right? That doesn't happen to me. That doesn't happen in my neighborhood. That doesn't happen to my children. So how do I respond in that? So I can't fully identify. I want to. And if I could do anything to take away the pain that the African American community feels right now, I would. But I can't. I can't identify. But I want to tell you one who can't. He was born of a virgin a racial minority under the boot heel of Roman oppression, a Middle Eastern Jew. His name was Jesus, who looks a lot more like my African-American brothers and sisters than he does me, right? He chose to be a racial minority in that culture where he walked the streets of Palestine growing up. Every road that he went on would have been covered with crucifixions all down the roads where some people were put to death by the state justly, some unjustly, and all under the pain of Roman oppression, right? He was mocked. On the cross, he was spit upon. It was a racial slur to say, Hail, King of the Jews. I cannot identify with being made, I mean, just made to feel inferior because of the color of my skin, but Jesus can, right? He so identified with you on the cross to bring you hope in the midst of real suffering, right? That's the truth 
that we have in Jesus Christ, that he endured all of the ridicule, all of the scorn, all of the shame until the end so that he could bring healing to this moment. That is why Jesus gave himself up on the cross, right? Jesus, right, racial reconciliation is a necessary entailment of the gospel, right? We've looked at this in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, it says, In Jesus' body, he tore down the wall of hostility so that races could dwell together in unity, that they could be one new man in Jesus Christ, right? Jesus took racial reconciliation so seriously that he gave up his life on the cross. And so, when things like this week happen, we must ask, is Jesus' vision and passion in and through the gospel being lived out among us, right? I'm not even talking about our country. I'm talking about, is it being lived out in my life? Is Jesus' passion for racial reconciliation, does that intersect with my life? That's what this week compels us to do, to weep with those who weep. So why is there weeping in heaven? Because there's brokenness on the earth. So now where do we find hope? Look at verses five through nine. Where do we find hope on earth? And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scrolls and its seven seals. And between the throne and the foreign living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the foreign living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and open the seals for you were slain and by your blood you have ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So where do we find hope on the earth? Three images. Chaos on the earth. Who is worthy to break the seals? Who is worthy to bring order out of chaos and to make sense of the brokenness of the world? His name is Jesus. The central figure in the book of Revelation, right, is not about Apache Apache helicopters. It is about the one that is seated on the throne, right? This is meant to give hope in uncertain times to people, right? This is written to a group of people Christians who were being persecuted, who were being lit on fire as torches by the Emperor Nero, right? This picture of the throne, God's unchanging purpose, his unchanging character, and his unwavering commitment to sinners like you and me, that is the central image that is meant to give us peace in the midst of chaos. There is one that's seated on the throne, and his purpose will not be thwarted. Then, Right? There's this other tension, right? This, this, is, this, what, this is what makes all the difference this week. Jesus as a lamb who was slain, and Jesus as the lion who has conquered. Jesus is both a lion and a lamb. He is a lamb to identify with people that are suffering. He suffered with people by becoming a human and taking on flesh. He suffered for people by being nailed to the cross. That is the lamb, right? 
the, the lamb that was slain, he is big enough to swallow up the sin of racism, to eradicate it from our hearts and from our systems. The cross is big enough to deal with the sin of racism, but it's also, for the most, most people in this room, it's big enough to deal with the sin of indifference, right? Where we got to be honest, like we really haven't cared that much about what's going on in the world, but now things are escalating and so we're paying attention, right? I mean, it deals with both racism and indifference, Jesus says, I can identify with sufferers and I will atone for the sin that makes all of this necessary. Jesus is the lamb that was slain. But listen to this. If you have ever felt marginalized or oppressed, Jesus is also the lion that has conquered. Right? There will be a day when oppression will cease in his name. There will be a day when racism is no more. There will be a day when the evil of this world is either judged in Jesus Christ or he will punish it forever, right? So that means, right, if you feel marginalized and you feel oppressed and you feel helpless, there is a lion who has conquered. And that means that vengeance belongs to him. Right? So we don't have to respond with violence. We don't have to re- respond with violent Facebook posts. Right? We get to respond in the one who holds the future because of what he's done in the past on the cross. He is a lion and the lamb. So there's a day that oppression will cease. And bring us to my final point before we pray. How do we live in a world that is broken, that God is making new? Look at verses 8 through 10. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So there's so much here. How, how do we go forward in this broken world that God is making new? First, you need to understand that this picture of the future is meant to give us hope in the present. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, when people ask Jesus, how do you pray? He said, pray like this. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in earth, on earth as it is in heaven. This is what he has in mind, right? This multicultural, multi-ethnic people of God that are unified in Jesus Christ That's the vision of the future that he has, that he's praying. So when we pray, Father, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying that God would bring unity and diversity in our midst, right? So this is the thing, right, for all the folks that say, right, that the gospel should make us colorblind. Or if you would just not talk about race, these problems would go away. The gospel and eternity does not obliterate distinctions, right? But it celebrates them, 
It unifies them, right? There's, there's the hope, right? It, if you've ever been uncomfortable in your own skin, that there's going to be a day when all of that will end and you will meet your maker face to face and you will, you will rejoice in the way that God has made you, right? That's the truth of where this all is headed, right? That God's kingdom will come, that there's going to be a multi-ethnic, multicultural people, So that means that that passion should be a non-negotiable for us um, as a church. That should be a non-negotiable for us in our gospel communities. Listen, this is the role that God gives us from the future into the present. Verse 10, And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So who are we in this passage? We're priests, right? Priests represent God to people and people to God. They're ministers, right? So, as we follow in the footsteps of the Savior and walk into the lives of messy and broken people just like us, we have this message of hope from the future. So here's the deal. Priesthood 101, right? If you've never uh, considered yourself a priest. I have the privilege of sitting with suffering people a lot. This is rule number one. You don't correct suffering people, right? You don't reinterpret their narrative for them on social media. You just don't, right? It's unhelpful, right? If you want to be a priest and you want to bring the presence of God from the future into the present... You listen, right? When our African-American brothers and sisters have been crying out for decades about racial inequality and racial justice and broken systems, we must listen. And more than listen, we must study and we must learn and we must act Right? That's the call of God when you want to really love someone and you want to minister the presence of God. You listen to their narrative and you hear. And this is, this is what, this is, we're talking about not only peace and healing for individuals, we're talking about for the whole structure that's broken, right? So if you're a person here and you can honestly say, okay, the systems in this country are not broken. I don't see racial bias. I don't see the world playing out that way. This is the, this is the answer that you must qu- answer. This is the question you must answer before God. If our systems are not broken, when were they healed? Right? Was it with the three-fifths compromise of 1787? Did that fix it? Was it when Brown versus the Board of Education ended separate but equal? Did that fix it? What about when Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on the bus? Did that fix it? Right? What about, yeah, the, the more recent deaths, Mike Brown, Tamir Rice, right? Goes on and on. Alton Sterling, Philando Castile. Has any of those things fixed it? Right? If you don't think that there's systemic injustice, you have to tell someone when it was healed because this country was founded upon it. Right? So this is the deal for us as the people of God. We must listen 
as disciples, we must be learners. We must place ourselves under good Christian solid scholarship that says, I have blind spots, right? I mean, we accept that people have blind spots. So why would the systems that we create not have blind spots, right? We have to take those things seriously. But, but what I want to see more than anything, we're not even dealing with the issues in our country, but in our city, I want us to labor to see Revelation 5, a reality in our midst. And I want to challenge all of the men here, when you see racism and when you see bias, to call it out, right? So many of us have been silent for so long and you've grown up in the South where you know your buddy in the golf club is going to make a joke, right? And you sit there and you listen to that. Well, you know what? We're perpetrating that. We're part of a different kingdom. Our allegiance goes higher than our golf buddies, right? We must as the people of God. And this is how this changes. Honest to goodness, it changes one heart at a time, one life at a time. And this is, the, this is what must change. The image of who you think looks dangerous. The image of who you think looks suspicious. Our definition of what a good school is. Those are the things that must change to see God's kingdom come on this earth right? No longer will we be a group of people that are defined by segregation. We will look at that dividing line on Johnson Avenue that runs through our city, and we will say, that should not be. That is the call of the people of God. And I call and I urge the men of this city to labor to make that a reality in your lifetime. Use your influence to see God's kingdom come, to see his will be done. Right? And then the other way that it gets better is by the church being the presence of the future in the present, right? That our church models something different, models something more beautiful, models something more lasting, right? So we're praying that God would help our gospel communities to be infused with the power of the Holy Spirit to reach in and to see healing and reconciliation, not merely tolerance, right? That's what we're looking for, a celebration of the future. We're going to end where I think the only place that we can end, you, you see it in verse 10, or no, maybe verse 8. It says, and when... He had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense. What are they? They are the prayers of the saints. Right? So we want to make our prayer to see God's kingdom come, to see healing. Right? We know our limitations. I, believe me, I don't think I've ever felt my limitations more than facing this topic this week, right? We cannot change, right, 350 years of oppression in our country overnight. But we know the one that holds the future. We know the lamb that was slain. We know the one who has promised that this isn't just a hopeful vision of the future. This is what is actually going to take place, right? There is going to be a day when oppression ceases. And I want to read this, and then we're going to transition to a time of prayer. So um, Aaron and the band, if you want to join me. Um, Revelation 22, this came to me this morning, and said, 
Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river. Listen, this is the tree of life that was in the garden, right? The tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. That word is ethne. It means ethnicities, right? So there's coming a day when the garden of the tree of life that was in the center of the garden, we're all going to be able to eat freely from, and it's going to heal all of the racial tension between ethnicities, right? And we're going to worship before God. So we pray hopefully, right? We're not those that grieve without hope. But today is about us lamenting together. Today is about us asking for hope and asking God to build something different. So this morning we're going to um, gather in groups of five to seven people. Um, You can go ahead and put up the prayer points. Love for all of you to stand up and form groups of five to seven. Um, If you don't consider yourself a Christian here, it's okay. I mean, you probably knew we were going to do something like pray. You can feel free just out of respect for what's going on in our country just to remain silent here this morning. But yeah, let's go ahead and stand up. Let's find some people. We're going to form groups of five to seven people. There are going to be some prayer points on the screen. So this is what we want to do. We want to take time to lament and express grief over the pain that we're experiencing in our country. We want to pray for the families and communities grieving loss. Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, the police officers in Dallas, Brent Thompson, Patrick Zampira, Michael Kroll, Lauren Ahrens, and Michael Smith. We want to pray that we will be able to be the people of God. Pray for the kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Pray for the healing of racial scars in this nation that can only come through Jesus. Pray for the church both locally and globally um, to take a lead in modeling and celebrating racial diversity and unity. And pray for an opportunity to be an agent of God's healing and love this week. Right? This only changes if each of us take this call seriously and we transfer this hope to other people. So let's just take the next uh, five or ten minutes together just to pray um, in groups. And Aaron's going to play quietly in the background. We'll leave these prayer points up for you.